many of us have childhood traumas that we don't know can keep us from finding our true selves. And sometimes that childhood trauma can interfere with your ability to reinvent yourself. I am bringing you a wonderful woman named Antonia Dagan, who is going to talk about childhood trauma and how she used it to figure out how to reinvent her reinvent herself. She grew up dancing and had to use dancing as a form of escape and therapy for trauma that she had as a childhood. Many of us do that and don't know that's what we're doing. So I'm going to take you right into this fantastic conversation with Toonie, as she calls herself, and I hope that you will enjoy this discussion. So hello, Toonie, wonderful to meet you. Leslie, it's wonderful to meet you as well, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, I'm always interested in people who've had very different types of reinventions, mm-hmm. and that's really what we're after here, is talking about different types of reinventions um, and what they mean. And so I would love to hear, where did you grow up and how did you start? Okay, so I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and... I started as a very young girl uh, studying ballet and in a really nice, you know, cultural, academically forward household. Um, But I experienced some trauma in the house. And as a very young girl, I turned to dance almost as a reinvention, honestly. Oh, and so, and how old were you when you started dancing? Well, I started quite young, uh, five years old in that area. Wow. And yeah, I became very serious by the time I was eight. Um, My mother really wanted to be a professional ballerina. And so my sisters and I were all made to study dance quite young. Wow. But you really really, did it. Like, I mean, all of us did ballet class. (laughs) We figured out, most of us figured out that we sucked at it. (laughs) You know what? I had some natural talent maybe, Um, Uh but I just loved it. I loved the escape and it really became um, almost a dissociative kind of pastime. I troubleshooted the things that worried me, that confused me through my body's expression through movement. Mm. Yeah. Can you talk at all? Are uh, Do you want to talk at all about what the trauma was that you were trying to work out? Sure. So um, I, it's it's challenging to talk about it without trying to give a global perspective on it at this point. Okay. I, I know that my father never meant to harm me, right? Um, and just had not a very good idea about what proper boundaries were. Mm. And so the the hands just went to places that they shouldn't have. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the other part of that was that my mom actually was fully aware of his behavior mm. and she was just incapable of stepping in and intervening. Wow. And, and that was, again, if you put a global perspective on it, she was raised a certain way to, to not confront authority, to not right. necessarily be someone that challenged her husband in any way. So it was a complicated situation as a child. Obviously, I didn't have the perspective that I have now. Right. So, but on the other hand, I didn't necessarily I understand that it was inappropriate either. Right. right. So how would you know? Right. How would how would you know? Right. Um, this went on for many years, probably about 11 years old or so. Mm. Very common. I'll just, I'll just say to you in all my, you know, I've been an editor in chief of many different magazines uh-huh. and done these stories. It's very common. People yeah. just don't talk about it. I know and you're lucky that you're able to speak about it and you obviously have worked through some of it, but super common. Yeah. Less- not that it makes it good. I don't mean it that it makes it good. It's just so, you know, you're not alone. It's a, it, there's a lot more people with this kind of trauma than, um, we'll talk about it. Leslie, I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, going through this journey, when I first began to write about everything, um, it wasn't with the intention of publishing. Mm-hmm. And once I realized, you know, I'm signing a contract, this is going to go to print, all of those things, the thought didn't occur to me that it would be challenging for a lot of people to. Mm-hmm reach the subject. And so that's been an interesting part of this process because now I'm at the point where I want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I, I want it to come out of the shadows. People make mistakes. People, you know, people do things they don't necessarily intend on, you know, crushing a child's spirit or whatever it happens to be. But if we don't if we don't stop turning away from it, brushing it under the rug, because we're uncomfortable as adults, we're never going to lessen the taboo. We're never going to move the conversation where it needs to go. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So you, so you were a dancer for, and you dance professionally, yes. I understand. Yes. Well, at the ripe old age of 11, I was actually burned out on ballet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so I ended up in a theater school for five years, which was awesome because I was learning acting and improv and vocal singing and voice work and all of those things. Unfortunately, because of my history, I, because of my history and the environment of this particular school, which was already known for its pedophilia within, yeah, within the ranks of the faculty and even the director of the school who ended up actually being uh, arrested. It was a big FBI investigation, the whole nine yards. He was in jail, all of it. But I ended up also, um, being molested while I was there. Oh, for goodness sake. I know. Yeah. When it rains, of course. So, mm-hmm. but, but, but we know that, that um, people that experience that kind of 
trauma, lack for lack of a better word, sometimes become a target in a yes, way. Yes. You know, sometimes just easily fall into similar situations. Correct. Um, so after that, I re- I quit the school and returned to dance and had a rock and dance career. And what did you do specifically? Just give us an idea. Yes, I I joined a jazz dance company when I was 15. And after graduating high school, was asked to move to Chicago and join another company there. And for the next 15 years, toured, you know, all across the country, performed in different dance companies, had side jobs, you know, because we didn't make a lot of money in those days. But I had a really wonderful career with dance. And then what happened? And then I blew out my knee. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it's funny because when I think about reinvention, I feel like I had just one reinvention after the next. Mm-hmm. Um, once my knee blew out, I basically went to massage therapy school. I was always so drawn to the body and the magic of the body that anything having to do with the body seemed like a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. But then I became a mama. So I have five grown children. Oh my goodness. That's great. Yeah. And to be honest, it was really, that was one of the first major turns in my growing up was becoming a mom and suddenly seeing how I could now own that kind of a bond between a mother and child and have it be very different from how I was raised. I hear you. I yep. had I had the same thing. And when yep. you learn that you can do it your way, I mean, that was the big shocker for me. And you'll probably relate my very first therapist when he said to me, because he said, do you want to have children? And I was like, no, why would you do that to somebody? <laughs> and, he, and he said, you know, you don't have to do it their way. A hundred percent. I was shocked and I was shocked. Like when you've been through that kind of thing where I just had incredibly, both of them were nuts, Mm. um, you know, that's that's enough (laughs) unstable, you know, complete nut jobs. Mm. And, um, when you realized you can do it your own way, it's a shocker. Yeah. Not only, yeah. Not only that for me, I really took all my cues from my children. Yes, me too. That's what I did. I did it backwards. Yep. Same. Exactly. Yes. I feel like I, I, um, what's that term when you read like back engineer something, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Totally. And to be honest, yeah. And honestly, to this day, I feel that way. I have my oldest is 31 years old. My youngest is 19 and Every day I'm learning something from them. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's wonderful, right? And it, it uh, and it reintegrates you in many ways. So talk about your reinvention again, which was after a bike accident that you had. Yes. So again, it was a confluence of many things like that perfect storm. I had one kid left at home. So I was really teetering, like anticipating the empty nest period. I had just moved to Indiana following my husband's job around I had done throughout our marriage. So I was always 
transitioning from one community to another. And this bike accident happened in a place where I didn't know anyone. And it literally took my physical abilities off the table. So I'm 55 years old. I have been a mover and shaker for my entire life. It is so ingrained in my identity. And I was bedridden. I was on a lot of narcotics for many months. And I literally was, who the heck am I? Mm -hmm. I just, I had a complete kind of breakdown, I guess. But mm -hmm. what ended up happening was because so many things were off the table and I was left with this just hours and hours of trying to figure out how to move forward. And I turned to writing because it was the only thing I could do. And as I mentioned earlier, it was obvious that I had, even with years and years of therapy, mm -hmm. I, I still hadn't come to a point where I understood how I, how my childhood affected all of my decisions mm -hmm. for better or worse. And I started to change my perspective in the sense that, like you said earlier, it's everywhere. Everyone has these things that happen in their youth, whether mm -hmm. it's from a very young age or, you know, middle school age, but we all encounter these things when we're not necessarily ready to see it in a less reactive way. Right. And that's where I started my writing. I wanted to take things apart in a way that wasn't a blaming lens. Mm -hmm. It was it wasn't a poor me lens. It was what was going on here. And so, so what, what kind of writing did you do? It was really memoir-esque. It was going back to those days when I was five, when I was six, when I was 12, mm -hmm. and trying to understand all of these experiences, not only from my perspective, but from the other people involved and the situation involved and what, you know, it just, it, it just couldn't be that I was a victim. I refused to accept that that was who I was. Yeah, I understand that. Mm -hmm. Interesting that your picture here that I'm looking at when <laughs> we go off camera, that looks like you and you were about six. Yep. I, I think I'm probably maybe almost five years old in that picture. Yeah. And you're dancing and you're dancing with somebody else and you're in a little leotard. So that must be very, you know, very personal to you. It is because at the time, like I said, when, you know, things were going on at that time that were inappropriate for a young girl to experience. Mm -hmm. And I became incredibly skilled at dissociating and removing myself from my present environment and basically soaring, becoming so linked to my way of expressing my body. And it wasn't just a physical expression. It was a spiritual expression as a young girl. And even though, 
there was a part of me that knew something was amiss, something mm -hmm. wasn't right. But that picture really captures where I went to, how I was able to avoid just complete sorrow all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what did it take for you to get over that trauma? What did you do? Did you go into therapy? What kind of therapy did you do? You sound like somebody who's definitely worked through a lot of this. So it, I'm sure it wasn't just sitting home and journaling. Right, right, right. Well, it depends on when we're talking. I mean, in my 20s, I did what a lot of people do is a lot of dysfunctional behavior. I, uh -huh. I, be I became bulimic for years. Uh, yeah, I, I abused drugs. I abused alcohol. I became extremely promiscuous. And it was almost a way of just kind of solidifying the messages that I had already been receiving right? and just burying everything. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so that first turn in the corner, like I said earlier, was becoming a mom and understanding immediately that if I couldn't be my best self, I would never be able to be a good mother. And I, I stopped I, on a dime, when I found out I was pregnant, I stopped sticking my finger down my throat. I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. And all I could do was try to every day become the person that was going to be able to really care for these eventual five children. It's so interesting. I've heard this story before where very similar to you. Uh, another woman who was, I mean, she was on the street and she got pregnant by accident mm -hmm. and, um, but she decided she wasn't going to be the mother that she was left with. Right. And she stopped everything and right. she's, she's an extraordinary person right now. Yeah. And, um, Good it's interesting how children can turn it around when you decide that you don't want to do that to your kids. Well, I also think related to that is if you're talking about reinventing yourself, mm -hmm. I think as adults, if we bring ourselves back to that place, that innocent place, before you start to experience the don'ts, the no's, the inappropriate, the things you don't understand as a young child, you almost can see that bright spot, that place that you can actually be as an adult if you stop the messages that you learned at such a young age. If you just go back to that innocent place and think, wow, I used to be so linked to my purpose, to my passion, to my yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... Did you do any particular kind? Did you get any particular kind of help or did you, what did you do? So, Was there anything structural that you did? I, you know, I did therapy intermittently. There was, it was never the specific sort of somatic kinds of therapies people employ the, mm -hmm. the eye movement or the tapping or mm -hmm. I, I think one therapist at one point did do a little hip, hypnotism on me, but the other thing that the accident did was it, that also coincided with, at that point, my father had already passed away 
And my mom was in her eighties and her health was deteriorating. And I moved her actually to Indiana, which was where we had just moved to when that accident occurred. Mm -hmm. And the last two years, so this coincided with all of a sudden I'm writing, all of a sudden I'm not a very physical person. And I'm, of course, that's, that was a really hard cross to bear, but it coincided with this reversal in roles. And I became this 24 seven caretaker for my mom. Once I started to be mobile enough and I could, I could perform all my daily activities, I became her caregiver. And it really, that was the final passage for me to be able to show her that no matter what, I could caregive her like I do my children, like she didn't do for me, but I knew that she had wanted to. Mm. And, and so it really brought us to the best place I could have ever imagined. And that was kind of the final link for me, the final turn as for me, I could say, we're all doing our best. We're, we've all experienced the suffering, the pain, the not being seen, the not being heard. And when we can just forgive, it, and, and I have to be really clear about the word forgive, because that doesn't mean you're not accountable. What it means is you understand that you can make a mistake, but you're accountable, but we can move on. We can all move on. We can all be better. Did you ever have an open discussion with your mom about what happened? Well, um, spoiler alert, <laughs> in, in my memoir that eventually got published, um, I did bring my parents to therapy at one point in my 20s and everything was on the table. Uh, that one session did not go very far. My father was extremely uh, remorseful and and you could see he never really came out with the words, but his body language, his facial expressions, his demeanor uh, was so incredibly just sad and remorseful. And I understood in that session where he was. And I knew that I would get to a place where I could forgive him. I would never, again, not hold him accountable. Mm -hmm. My mom couldn't get there at that point. She was just so bitter and had so much unresolved wow. pain from her own upbringing. Mm -hmm. but, but our time together, I mean, I, I had conversations with her, in, you know, in the last year of her life. Mom, do you have any regrets? And she would almost get there, but in a way where I could see she she wanted to say it, but she just had so much unresolved pain of her yeah. own that she still held on to that. Mm -hmm. But it was enough. It was enough. We had we had enough moments that you know it was almost just that silent nod of yes, I see you. Yes, I know I could have done better. Mm. Well, you know, yeah. there's no handbook for when you have children. Hello. <laughs> I know this is the hard thing. No one understands. Each one of us is, you know, we just, I remember when they handed us my son and we pulled the car up 
And we had the little seat in the back seat and we were living in New York city and the nurse came out and helped us buckle him into the car. And I was like, Oh, so you're not coming with us. <laughs> like, um, now you're, gonna, you're like, you're going to trust us with this little thing by ourselves. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, terrifying. Right. And you're just stumble through, you stumble through, you make all kinds of mistakes. Each one of us is starting over terrifying. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. and you can read all the books you want and you're still going to make mistakes. That's and, exactly uh, right. That's exactly yeah. right. That's why too, like all of the, all of the self-help that's out there, the therapy, the, 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 the kumbaya, the, all of those things, they're amazing. But until you decide you want to do the work. That's only something you can do. Mm -hmm. you, there's, you just have to sit your ass down and whether it's a writing implement in your hand or a paintbrush or composing a song that no one's going to hear, I don't care what it is. There has to be that conversation with yourself where you're just unearthing and figuring stuff out. And sometimes it's the kids that help you get there too. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I found that incredibly healing, even though I was stumbling my way through and I, I would sometimes have to call my sister and go, what do I do now? Like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. And you call other friends and go, does your kid do this to you? And they'd be like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're all horrible at this age. You'd be like, Whew, I thought it was just me really screwing things up. It's like, no, it's just a bad age. And are your kids now older? Are they yeah, yeah, I'm the same yeah. age as you. I have a 32 and a 27. So yeah. And yeah. Uh, they tell me I did a pretty good job. Not perfect, but pretty good. Yeah, and, I'm, uh, I'm happy with that too. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'll take mm -hmm. that. Me too. So Tooney, listening to you, if there are people out there who have been through what you've been through, and there are a lot, mm -hmm. what are a couple of tips and tricks that you would give them if they wanted to reinvent themselves? Um, we talk mostly to women, 40, 50, 60 plus. It's never too late to confront this stuff and find out what your true self is. But you know, what would you suggest? Well, you're right, Leslie, it's never too late. And I think you know, we have been conditioned on so many levels to believe certain things, and it's hard to strip those isms away, whether it's, you know, deferring to the male person or the authority person in your life or to other people in general. So a number one thing for me is just to understand that what we believe, we what we tell ourselves is what we believe. And just flipping that conversation, using our own self-talk as feedback instead of as um, the law of the land, like understanding, yes, you're going to experience pain, you're going to experience disappointment, but that doesn't mean you have to then settle right there. You can use that as feedback information and then decide where you want to go with that. So under understanding that what you tell yourselves as you navigate difficult situations is what you're going to believe about yourself. I would say the second thing I would 
I I tell people is to practice radical self-love. Yeah. Right. And just, you know, one quote I heard, and this is from uh, Sonia Renee Taylor's book, uh, The Body is Not an Apology. And she really is speaking more about body issues. But she quotes Marianne Williamson as saying, an acorn does not have to say, I intend to become an oak tree. And if we're the acorn, we we are exactly what we're meant to be if we just stay out of the way and let ourselves become what we're supposed to be. It's, it's sort of this um, riff on a na uh, natural intelligence. Mm. intending that every living every living thing becomes the highest form of itself and designs according to that and i really love that beautiful yeah for me the third one more thing i would say for me personally writing was an incredible tool and it's it's just a way to slow yourself down it's like meditation which i also do every day yeah me and too I yeah. And I mean, I, I, at this point in my life, I cannot not meditate daily. Oh, I know. I can't function without it. I'm such a crabster if I don't have my meditation. Exactly. But just that moment of stillness, of yeah. alone, of not responding to all the, just the cacophony of stimulation around us at all times, we have got to be able to unplug and to listen deeply to our own silence. Mm. And, and if we can take that creatively or, you know, positively forward somehow, yay for us. So to me, as we pull to a close here, what's the name of your book and where can people find you? Yes. The title is Underwater Daughter, a memoir for survival and healing. And it's, all the major booksellers online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books, uh, Indie Books, Target, all of those things. And it'll, you know, physically in Barnes and Noble and some of the smaller bookstores. Great. And where else can they find you? You have Facebook and Instagram. I do. Um, all sort of hitched to my name, Antonia Degnan, as well as a website, AntoniaDegnan.com. And there's bunch of fun stuff on my website. There's videos, there's dance, there's writings, there's all my events. It's, it's a fun stop. Awesome. Well, Antonia, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your honesty. And I'm also so glad that you figured all this out so that you can help other people figure it out as well. Leslie, can I just say, as we were speaking earlier, thank you so much for not turning away from a really tough topic. We go running into tough topics at Covey <laughs> Club. I'm, I'm the one who, you know, because if we don't talk about these things, Antonia, mm -hmm. who will? Exactly. And frankly, by the time you get into your 40s and 50s and 60s, this kind of stuff can, you know, deter you from getting to where you need to be. And yeah. I'm a, you know... I'm a full believer in it's harder to confront the truth. It's more scary to confront the truth than it is to bury it and hide from it. Yes. So we have to be brave. We have to have courage. We have to be brave. And um, I jokingly tell my kids that once they turn 30, the it's the 
the time where you can blame your parents for anything is over. So you better get all your, all your therapy done before 30 because the statute of limitations runs out on all the things we did wrong. And then you got to blame yourself. So, you know, I think you, I think you have to do this whenever it occurs to you. And, um, that's how you will get to that next reinvention in your life. Yeah. And just to tag onto that, not only is the conversation need to happen, but as role models, if we're not having those conversations for ourselves so that we can reinvent ourselves, our children and, and the people that we mentor are still picking up on our body language and our, if we haven't taken this step, our inability to speak beyond what happened to us, right? Yes. And so so our actions are still going to implant themselves, embed themselves in our children. So we have to move, move this conversation forward. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Wonderful to speak to you. And we will definitely be in touch later as well. Thank you so much. Leslie, thank you so much and have an amazing day. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Antonia Dagan, and I hope that this was helpful for you if you've experienced any kind of personal childhood trauma that you haven't dealt with. Even if you have dealt with it, I think it's wonderful to know that you're not alone. It happens, and we all move on, and we all make wonderful lives of ourselves despite it. The only thing that you do need to know is if it's holding you back from finding the joy in your life or finding the joy in your reinvention or your ability to reinvent, you need to definitely do your work and figure out how to get to where you're going despite what your childhood trauma was. If this is helpful to you, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast. And also, I would love it if you would give us a review in Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful helpful for other people trying to find their path towards reinvention. And also, come on over to the Covey Club. At coveyclub.com, you're going to find tons and tons of articles and pod, you know, pieces of uh, fabulous essays and uh, tick lists and all kinds of stuff done by the best journalists around the world who know all about reinvention. We also talk about everything in midlife. So it could be menopause, it could be handling elder parents, it could be divorce, widowhood, all these things that come up in midlife. And we all look at it as just another way to get your reinvention going. And if you're really serious about your reinvention, there's nothing like having a great posse of welcoming, accomplished women who will help you get there. And that's what Covey Club is all about. So come on over, visit us at coveyclub.com, and I will talk to you next time.